Good morning and assalamu alaikum my dears. So hope you all are keeping well and a very warm welcome to our next session on literary criticism and theories. So today we'll be starting a new topic. We have completed post-colonialism and I hope you have all understood it. Now we'll be moving on to our next topic. A next topic in the sense I would use the word a more challenging topic. It is perhaps the most challenging topic you will be studying in criticism. And that is deconstruction. Now before starting with deconstruction and the theory and the uh, major figures you have to know in deconstruction. I would like to share a very beautiful thought. If you look at this picture here, you see this man diving into a river. And that is something that is said by great thinkers long back. You can never dive into the same river twice. Now what do you understand by that line? You can never dive into the same river twice. Why not? Twice or thrice or four times. How many times we want we can dive into a river. Then why not the same river? See the concept here is very crystal clear in the sense. A river is something that is constantly flowing. It is not stagnant. I hope you got the idea. A river is something that keeps on moving, right? So when you dive into a river and then you come back and then you dive in again, that part of the river that you had dived into earlier has flowed on and it's a new portion of the river there. It's constantly flowing river so in that sense you never dive into that same river twice i would like to apply the same concept to your deconstruction too now when you think of reading a text for example i hope you all are you know um, quite strong feminists in your own way so you might have your favorite picks of novels. Suppose you're reading of Virginia Woolf or Sylvia Plath or Kamala Das. Now and 10 years from now. Can you imagine the difference? It is the same book. It is the same text you are reading. But what you will be feeling and what you will be experiencing will be quite different. Even the little uh, children's stories that you had read long back. Like uh, the story of uh, the hare and the tortoise for example. How the hare is supposed to win the race. He is the fastest but still he didn't. The tortoise won the race. So this story when you read it as a child or when someone told you the story as a child. You understood it. In an innocent way maybe. 
as such you know the hare did not win because it was very arrogant the uh, tortoise won the race but when you become an adult and when you read the story again or when you hear the story again or maybe when you tell the story again to your little children you understand it in a very different way you experience the same text in a different way right you think of it as saying that how people if you wait patiently for your time for the right time you will succeed or some other concept you might relate to with your own experiences right the stories of uh, kamaladas or you know the poems of kamaladas silvia plath you know reading it uh, now when you're studying it for your pg syllabus and then you're reading it uh, um, 10 years from now that is after your marriage after you have had children after you have become a grown and matured woman maybe then you'll understand silvia plath in a different light because your experiences have changed your outlook and the same text the same river is different so you never experience something in one moment and in a diff- and in the next moment the same way when you think of people too i love my mother i loved my mother 6 years back i love my mother now is there a difference yes there is because my experiences with my mother 6 years back and my experiences with her now 6 years later are completely different now i've learned to appreciate what she has taught me now i've learned to appreciate every little thing she had told me so life gives you experiences that it changes you that changes your outlook it changes the text you are reading the same river is never the same again so that is my concept that i'd like to share with you and i want you to have that concept within you throughout as you study deconstruction theory now first and foremost before bombarding you with the lots of theories and concepts of what deconstruction is i would like to put down a few pointers a few points regarding deconstruction so we are going to take it one step at a time you might have somewhat thoroughed yourself or you know uh, become thorough with the concept of structuralism so deconstruction is a branch or an extension of post structuralism now post structuralism is actually a reaction that came against structuralism or something that came after structuralism so deconstruction is basically sometimes seen as a synonym of post post structuralism or it can be seen as a branch or an extension of the same it came around the 1960s and the 1970s our major exponent of deconstruction jacques derrida the french philosopher he is often considered the father of deconstruction 
he took the term deconstruction from Martin Heidegger, who had actually introduced the term destruction before. Destruction with a K instead of a C. Martin Heidegger. Now Derrida has put forward this idea of deconstruction in his work of grammatology in the year which was published in the year 1967 and it has been translated by our very own Gayatri Spivak. Now another important thing to understand about deconstruction is that it is basically a philosophy. It is connected with philosophy while structuralism is more or less connected solely with linguistics. Structuralism, you might have studied terms like lang, parole, sign, uh, signifier, signified. So all these are concepts that are linked with linguistics. But deconstruction is something about that. It encompasses a philosophy. It is not solely limited to linguistics. In structuralism, you might have learned that meaning is absolute and fixed. There is a structure followed by language. Everything has a structure. Having a structure meaning having a center. But in post-structuralism, it was actually a movement that negated all these concepts. It said that meaning is not absolute. There is no structure. There is no center. Post-structuralism and deconstruction can be read together in this. It had actually negated what a structuralism had taught. That meaning is not absolute. Meaning is floating. Remember the concept about the river, right? It is not absolute. Meaning is floating. Meaning is constantly changing. There is no actual meaning. In deconstruction, you break down the structure to understand its meaning. Think of a concept of a building. You have a building. In structuralism, they tell you that the structure or the form or the language that is used is what conveys the meaning. Meaning is hidden in that structure. So you look at the building from inside, from outside, from different angles and you study the building. That is what structuralism does in very simple terms. Now what would deconstruction do? Deconstruction would look at the building and then destroy the building fully. You break down the building to understand what meaning is hidden there. So deconstruction always looks for hidden meanings. That is to understand that building. It might have iron, steel, uh, cement is used, bricks might be used. So that is not seen on the outside structure. So in deconstruction, you need to break it all down. You need to, you know, destroy it completely. Use explosives, you know, and, you know, completely destroy it all. And then you make out meaning from the debris. So it looks for meaning that is hidden.
Now in this slide, we have a few more extra points about deconstruction. Meaning is never fully present in the language. It is deferred endlessly. Deferred, D-E-F-E-R. If you look up the meaning, it, it has a meaning something like delayed. So meaning is delayed endlessly. It is not fully present in the language. In the sense, when you think of it, uh, if you are looking for the meaning of a word like, uh, for example, God, you want to know the meaning of the word God. And you look up the meaning of the word God in your dictionary and you find meanings like Lord, here, uh, Almighty, uh, Ultimate Power, etc. From there, you can look up the meaning of Almighty or you can look up the meaning of Ultimate Power. So again, the meaning of the word God is there delayed. I hope you get the concept. It's not actually, you know, you are looking up the meaning in a dictionary. It is how the meaning is, you know, keeps on moving. It keeps on being delayed. So this is an infinite process. So when you think of it in the term of structuralism, this signifier and the signified keeps on changing. God becomes almighty and then you look up God almighty, you find more different words to explain the word almighty. And then, uh, you know, the signifier keeps on moving, signified keeps on moving and then you again look up meanings. So meaning is never fully present in a language. It is endlessly deferred or delayed. It is continuously moving. That is the concept in the next point that meaning is a floating. It is not definite. The text is elusive or slippery. Elusive meaning you cannot fully understand it. It keeps on, you know, uh, like a slippery thing in your hand. You are trying to catch it and it slips out of your hand. So a text, when you understand a poem, you think you understand it fully. Like when you read uh, the poem uh, Mother by Jagor and you think you understand it fully, but it's never fully understood, is it? It keeps on changing, it keeps on moving. Because as I said earlier, in the first concept of how you understand a text now and 10 years later, the concept of diving into the river. So the text is completely always changing. It's always elusive. The meaning is becoming different. Now the concept of deconstruction, it was defying existing norms. Text is plural, open. These are just concepts you have to understand in our next classes and all. We'll be dealing more and more with uh, concepts of deconstruction. And the author is dead. That is an important concept that is spoken of in deconstruction. Like uh, when you think of a meaning of a text or the uh, center, you say, is the author important? Is the reader important? Or is it the text that is important? In deconstruction, Author is not important. Author is dead. The reader? No, the reader is also not important. Is it the text then it is that is important? No, the text is also not important. Deconstruction defies all these norms. So according to deconstruction, all these are not relevant. Meaning is somewhere out there. So death of an author is an important concept that is conveyed in structuralist, uh, in uh, deconstruction. In speech, 
there is a fixed origin that is the presence of the speaker while writing is open to unlicensed interpretation this is a concept that is you know maybe uh, we can say um, structuralism gives importance to speech it says pre speech is of primary importance because there is a speaker there the speaker's emotions are conveyed through the speech while writing it can be interpreted in many ways but in deconstruction we'll be give we'll be saying that both are complementary speech and writing complements each other we cannot say that speech is important we'll be getting into that uh, more detail we have more terms to understand about deconstruction so we have a term like archiwriting in which we'll be speaking of this speech and writing it deconstructed in deconstruction you deconstruct the concept of binary oppositions you might remember in structuralism you have studied the apple is red how do you understand that the apple is red because it is not green because it is not blue so that is what is a binary opposition i am a woman how do you understand that i am a woman because i am not a man so that is what is binary opposition now what deconstruction does is that it shows that there is no binary oppositions so everything is deconstructed in deconstruction basically what you know you think of deconstruction as a big hammer you know that goes about deconstructing or destroying everything every concept you have understood till now in deconstruction it becomes whoosh gone now uh, coming to our last slide of this session it will be post structuralism and the term used with a hyphen and without a hyphen what do you understand by using a hyphen and without using a hyphen when you use a hyphen you are referring to a literary period or a movement it is a time period that is why i have put in that uh, picture or a clip art of the clock there because it refers to that particular time period i told you post structuralism came about in the 1960s and 70s so when you speak of post structuralism in the term of a time period then you use the hyphenated post structuralism okay it came as a response to structuralism now when you go to post structuralism without a hyphen it is basically referring to the concept of structural post structuralism or deconstruction that is the features and traits that can be continuing till today when you see something here and you say oh this is like a deconstructed work or this is you know you have a deconstructed reading of this book so when you think of that like that you are not referring to that time period you are not referring to a particular literary movement it refers to the features and traits that are continuing till today uh, so i hope this session was very fruitful and we'll be dealing more with the more terms that are related to structuralism so you'll be able to understand more so thank you for your time and patience girls keep smiling